We welcome you to our Bible study as the radio Bible class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio and Twitter with a message that Jesus is alive today. And today's lesson is titled, Shepherds Fear Not, and it comes from Luke 2, 8 through 20. Christian radio is not free. If you enjoy this radio ministry, your offering to this ministry will aid in the expense of keeping the radio Bible class on the air as a witness for Jesus. Now we live in a hurting world where there are souls that need to hear Jesus' message of hope and grace. Won't you help spread the good news? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648. There they can take your information safely and securely over the phone or send us your gift to Word Talk Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Jesus said in Luke 6:38, Give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson of the Radio Bible Class, then visit our Facebook page. And you can do that by going to www.facebook.com slash radiobibleclass with no spaces. That's www.facebook.com slash radiobibleclass with no spaces. Today we finish up our three-part series that I'm calling Fear Not. And this series covers what we call the Christmas story or Jesus' birth. And most of you know this story very well and how the angels spoke to the different people in this story. And in all three cases, the angels started off with Fear Not. Two weeks ago, we covered how the angel Gabriel came to Mary and told her to fear not. She was going to be used by God to give virgin birth of Jesus. Mary had to overcome the fear of what God was calling her to do. And I pointed out that sometimes God calls us to do something that we're uncomfortable or it may be inconvenient for us to do it. Last week, we studied Joseph and how the angel came to him in a dream. Joseph had to overcome the fear of what other people thought. Joseph had to make a decision. Did he care more about what God said or what man said? When he first heard Mary's story, the Bible says that he was going to put her away or divorce her quietly. But after the dream, he woke up with a changed heart. He decided to do the will of God no matter what other people thought or might say. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up my cross and follow me. I think we all know what deny yourself and take up the cross means, but here's what I think the statement really means. It means we ought to be willing to be opposed by others, to be shamed by them, to be talked about, and to be criticized, to even suffer, and to die to ourselves. You could sum it up with, it means we love Jesus more than human approval. Today, we finish looking at the shepherds and the fear they would have had with where they stood with God. In the Christmas story, the angel comes to the shepherds in the field, and this reminds me of a story I heard. There was a Sunday school teacher that was having her class draw pictures of the Christmas story. And as she walked around looking at their pictures, she would ask questions or she'd make comments to help them with their drawing. She makes her way to a boy in the class and sees that he's drawing the manger scene, but she noticed there's several large dogs among the animals. She had to ask, Bobby, are those large dogs among the animals? And he responds, yes, ma'am, those are shepherds. And she replies, what? He says, you know, German shepherds. Well, today we're not talking about German shepherds, but we're talking about shepherds who watch flock of sheep. 
If truth be known, Bobby's drawing wasn't too far off than what the first century people thought of shepherds. Shepherd status were one of the lowest and was on the same level as tax collectors back in the first century. The only people lower in social ranking were the Gentiles and the leopards. You might be thinking, well, wait a minute, Tim. Some of Israel's greatest heroes were shepherds. I mean, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David were all shepherds. Even the Bible describes God's care to us as a good shepherd. But during this time in history, in the first century, shepherds and their status had changed to be very low and not thought of very highly. See, nobody wanted to be a shepherd. They were considered uneducated and looked down on. Normally, once you became a shepherd, you were going to die a shepherd. There really was no chance to advance your career. And because of this, society's worst were the only ones who would take the job. Now, if a family couldn't afford to hire a shepherd, normally the youngest son was given the job. Shepherds had acquired a bad reputation and most of the time being dishonest and thieving. They led their herds onto other people's land and they took produce from other people's land. They were gone for months at a time without anyone to check on them and it was common for them to be accused of stealing some of the increase in the flock. Children were brought up and taught not to buy wool and milk or even a member's flock from the shepherds because it was assumed that all this would be stolen property. Commentators even noted that shepherds were not allowed to hold an office or be admitted in court as a witness because they couldn't be trusted. They were looked down on. According to the religious system, shepherds were rejects. Shepherds weren't good enough for God because they were told they couldn't be made right with God. Shepherds couldn't live up to the religious rules of the day. They had to live in fear of where they stood with God. You could say they felt distant from God. They hung out with sheep, so guess what? They smelt like sheep. They were physically dirty because they lived in the land that they kept the sheep. And even worse, the religious people considered them spiritually dirty. They were considered ceremonially unclean, so if anyone touched them, they became spiritually unclean. They mostly felt distant from God because they felt unworthy. They had been told by the religious leaders, you're not good enough for God. Maybe today you feel distant from God too. You look around at everybody else. They seem to have it all together. They seem to be so righteous and holy, yet you feel so unworthy. You think to yourself that they only knew what I had done. I know the things that I should be doing, but I don't do them. I know the bad things I shouldn't be doing, and I do do them. So you put on your happy face, but underneath you feel so unworthy. And you ask yourself, how could God love someone who's done what I've done? I can remember going over to a friend's house when my kids were little, and their house was perfect. I mean, it smelled good when I walked in, and there weren't toys all over the floor. I thought to myself, it's a good thing they didn't come to my house because it'd be a mess. I mean, toys would be everywhere, and it'd probably smell like last night's dinner. When we compare ourselves to others, it makes us feel worthless and inadequate. The shepherds even felt inadequate. If you read your Bible, you know one of the major laws that you were to keep was to keep the Sabbath. You weren't supposed to do anything but chill the whole day. The Pharisees and Sadducees were always upset with Jesus because he was breaking this law. And the shepherds couldn't keep it either. They had to watch their sheep. That was a seven-day-a-week job. This is just one example how they were considered religious failures. Sometimes we're like that. 
We look at others all around us and we believe they've got it all together. They're so close to God. They can give you a Bible verse for any situation. Their prayers are powerful. They have a great testimony. They can discuss different books of the Bible. And you think to yourself, I can't even name the books of the Bible. I'm worthless and God can't love me. The shepherds felt low. They felt filthy. They felt uneducated. They felt unloved. Today, there's so many people that feel the same way. Maybe your parents got a divorce and one of them left and you ask yourself, why couldn't they love me? Maybe your spouse left. Maybe they filed for divorce. And you ask yourself, am I that bad of a person? Can I be loved? My spouse says no. Maybe your kids won't have anything to do with you. They won't talk to you. And you ask, how could I be so blind? Where did I go wrong? How can I make them love me? In general, you're asking yourself, what's wrong with me? Some of you look in the mirror and you don't like the person that's looking back at you. You just don't love yourself. You say, if they don't love me, and if I don't love me, then how could God love me? And there are people all around us who feel inadequate and they wonder how God could love them. People struggling with all aspects of life. I mean, being a parent, being a spouse, in their job, dealing with financial struggles, dealing with family issues, dealing with self-esteem. I mean, the list could go on and on. You could say religion didn't work for the shepherds. It only made them feel distant from God. It made them feel unworthy and fear where they stood with God. And maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you feel unworthy and unloved. Maybe you feel like no one loves you today. And that's not true. And let's see why in today's lesson. Look with me at the first part of our passage, Luke 2, 8 through 10. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Now try to imagine this with me. Sometime in the night, the shepherds are either asleep or maybe they're sitting around the campfire telling stories. We really don't know. All we do know is that they were scared. I mean, wouldn't you be? Can you picture how big their eyes must have been? I mean, their mouths were probably wide open. They couldn't decide whether they should run or should they fall on their face and worship. They were probably thinking they were going to die because of their sinfulness. They're probably thinking this is the day of reckoning and it's come. Now, some people don't believe this story because they believe God doesn't speak anymore, but they're wrong. And I am going to do a series in the near future on this, but believe me, these people are wrong. The problem is that they're looking for God to send lights and angels when he speaks to them, but God speaks to us in multiple ways, through his word, through experiences in life, through his spirit, through dreams. Most of the time we don't hear God, though, because we're too busy, we're too distracted, but he is speaking. But this really happened. The angels spoke to the shepherds. We're so familiar with the story that we've lost the shock factor that the shepherds experience. We also never ask, why shepherds? Here the angel comes to herald the good news, but to whom? To shepherds. Back in that day when a child was born, if a family had enough money, they would hire a herald. Now the herald would go around the town and announce the birth of their child. And this is what God is doing. He's heralding to the shepherds. God sends an angel to announce the good news. 
But what I find neat is God sends the angels to who? Think about it. If the Son of God is being born on earth, who do you think God would choose to announce that to? I would have thought that God would go to royalty and announce it to the kings or at least to the religious leaders of the day, to the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees. And that's from a human perspective, but God's agenda is different from our agenda. And God's perspective is different from our perspective. So why shepherds? Why would God choose to make his announcement to a group of religious rejects? God reveals Jesus' birth to shepherds to shame the religious leaders. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 28, But God chose what is foolish to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring nothing things that are. God also reveals Jesus' birth to the shepherds to bring them joy. Look back at verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. The shepherds didn't get joy from the birth of a baby, but from the birth of the Messiah. This is good news. A Savior for all people. But look what the angel says. Fear not, I bring you. So this message is being sent from God, and it's just for them. It's a message of good news. And last, this good news isn't just for the elite or the educated or the religious. It's for all people. It doesn't matter how you feel today. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what your lineage is. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus was born for you. What a picture of grace. Regardless of your past, regardless how low you may have fallen in life, there's still hope in Jesus. He doesn't turn anyone away, but he invites us all to come make him Lord to be saved by grace through Jesus Christ. Don't let some sin, don't let something in your past, don't let some situation stand between you and heaven. Jesus is calling you today. So the good news is declared. And let's look at verses 11 through 14. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. The angel says this baby is not just born to Mary and Joseph, but in verse 11, For unto you is born this day. This means the birth is for everyone and to everyone's benefit. The angel also declares that the prophecy has been fulfilled with this baby being born in the city of David. The prophecy was given that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Come from Micah 5, 2 and 3. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clan of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old in the ancient times. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, and the majesty of his name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for this his greatness will reach the end of the earth, and he will be their peace. That is the prophecy that was fulfilled. And last, the angel uses the word that Jews had longed to hear for centuries. A Savior, he is Christ the Lord. And this is why we celebrate Christmas. Christmas is more than just giving gifts, eating good food, or spending time with family. It's about the celebration of the birth of a Savior. He's the reason for the season. 
The angel called him Savior because he came to save his people from their sins. The Savior came as a birth into the world to lay down his life on a cross so that you and I might be saved of our sins. The religious system may have said that you aren't good enough. You may feel distant from God. You may feel unworthy and unloved, but a Savior was born for you. There's no one that is beyond God's love and grace. There's no one that God doesn't want to reach out to. He sent his son just for you. The angel also called him Christ, which means the anointed one. This identifies him as the Messiah of the Jews. He's the one that will fulfill all the Old Testament prophecies. And last, the angel called him Lord. And Lord means one in control. He's God and he's all sovereign. It wasn't just an ordinary baby. This baby was God in human flesh. God had stepped out of eternity into time and became man. And that should excite you today. The angel goes on to tell how to find the baby. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. What amazes me, for someone so important, this isn't the declaration you would expect. He wasn't born in a hospital or a palace. No, he was born in a stable and laid in a manger. Think about Prince George when he was born to Prince William and the Kate. All the fanfare, all the media circus. But for Jesus, there was none of that. Then probably as frightful as before, the whole multitude of angels begin to praise and sing. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill towards man. Now think about and imagine how the sky must have been lit up. This host of angels weren't quiet. They were praising God. And this is how to be when we get to heaven. There'll be constant praising of God. Now how did the shepherds respond? Let's look at verses 15 through 20. When the angels went away from them in heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went without haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the sayings that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. The shepherds acted on what they heard. They immediately went. So that's their first response. Look at verse 15. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. They went to see the baby they were told about. Now we might think that we would respond this way if the angel had come to us, but I'm not so sure. I think many of us, as soon as that angel left, would look around to see if anyone else saw what we saw. And then we would debate, can we really afford to leave the sheep? What if something happens while we're gone? Maybe it wasn't real and I was just dreaming. Why would the angel come to me and not a religious leader? Just like many of us do today, we would talk ourselves out of acting in faith. What has God announced to you to go do that you haven't done? God gives us directions or assignments to go do and we don't do them. Why? Well, we're afraid of what others might say. We're afraid it It'll mess up our plans. We're afraid that it might inconvenience us. We don't like what God is telling us. It probably means a change. It might mean to do something new or awkward. It probably means to do something we don't like. So we have to be obedient and do what God says 
and we need to die to ourselves. We need to be like the shepherds, and we need to respond immediately. Their second response was that they told. Look at verses 16 through 18. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the sayings that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. After finding the baby as the angel described, they told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them. And all the people who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. They couldn't believe it. These are shepherds. What God wants you and I to go do this Christmas is to go tell others about what God has done for us. Tell them about him sending his son to die on a cross and to be Savior to all. He wants us to share the good news just like the shepherds. Now the third response was they praise and they worship. They were the first ones to go see Jesus, and it was the shepherds, the one religious said weren't good enough, that first saw the Messiah. Look at verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. See, they praise and they worship. I heard one pastor say it this way. They gave prime praise. And then he used the word prime as an acoustic. You know, each letter of the word to make out a word. So P-R-I-M-E is the acoustic. P-R-I-M-E equals praise, readies, intense ministry experience. When we praise and we worship, it readies us for an encounter with God, an intense ministry experience. The level of your worship is based on the value you have in God. If you go back and look at the origin of that word worship, it means worth-ship. Where is your worth? The amount of your worship shows God's worth to you. The passage closes with the shepherds headed back to where their flocks are. The angels told them what to expect, and that's just what they found. They understood what this meant to them. A Savior, Christ the Lord, had come to them. The religious system had told them they weren't worthy, they weren't loved. And maybe Satan is whispering in your ear, putting thoughts in your head, saying something like, don't you remember what you've done? If people knew the things of your past, they'd call you a phony, they'd make fun of you, they'd call you a hypocrite. Satan has you believing you're not good enough. No one loves you. You're too far gone. Understand, as the shepherds did, religion may have let you down, but Jesus came for you. No matter what others say, God loves you and wants an intimate relationship with you. Let me close with this final thought. This Christmas, God wants you to go. He wants you to go do what he's been telling you to do all year long. You've heard him, but for whatever reason, you haven't done it. You've been resisting him, but now is the time to go. Maybe God has told you to go to that person and forgive them, but you've had too much pride to go do it. Maybe God's told you to start a new ministry. Maybe he's told you to get involved in a life group. Maybe he's told you to go after a new job. Whatever it is, you've been too lazy to obey him. He wants you to go. He also wants you to understand if you find yourself like the shepherds, feeling unworthy and worthless, looked down on by society, do what they did, rejoice and give praise because Jesus came to save people just like you. God's love doesn't know any race or position or title or education level. It's for everyone, not some, not most, but it's for everyone who believes in him. It's up to you whether you will accept his love. Sadly, for many people, the celebration of Christmas will end 
in another week. They'll start putting away Christmas decorations and their focus will turn to the new year and other matters. They'll forget about Christmas until the madness begins next year. But the shepherds never forgot. Their lives were changed forever and I hope and pray yours will be too. They went and they told others about their experience with the manger. Let's you and I go tell others not only about the manger, but the cross and what we've experienced, what Christ has done for us. When you know the true meaning of Christmas, you can't help but tell others about it. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you right now, and Lord, I thank you for showing us how much you loved us, that you sent your Son, not for the religious, even though that they're included, not for the kings, even though they're included, but you sent it for everyone, no matter of race, no matter of status, no matter of wealth, no matter of education, that your son came for everyone, that you loved us so much that you sent his son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will be saved. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for sending your son so that he could make a way, he could fulfill the promises, he could be the Messiah, and he could make us feel loved again, that we weren't social outcasts. Lord, I thank you right now that you sent that Savior. And Lord, I ask that once we understand what the Christmas really means, and the Savior that came, that's Christ the Lord, that went to the cross to spread his arm and shed his blood for us, Lord, that we will go tell others, that we will be like the shepherds. Lord, that we will first understand and we will see and we will believe. Then we'll go tell. We'll tell the story of what not only the manger, but the cross and that, that experience that you've done for us. And then, Lord, that we will praise and we'll worship you and others will see you in our life. Lord, that we will reflect a life that is uh, more like you every day. Lord, I ask if there's one today that doesn't know you, Lord, that today would be the day that they would ask Jesus into the heart. Lord, that they would make Christmas come into their heart. Lord, maybe there's one that hasn't felt loved. Lord, for some reason, they're going through a tough time in this season. Lord, right now, I ask that you would let them feel the love. Lord, that people that you would send their way that would show them love, that would show them they matter, and Lord, that they would feel your touch through their arms. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We're going to give you all the honor and glory for all that you do. Lord, it's in your name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.